Earth podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody, we are back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we're here to bring you more knowledge, more light, and more love. We have yet another fantastic guest. I find these beautiful humans and bring them to you so you can learn about them. Lisa Carrillo is here, and she's going to tell us about her most recent book, An Unprincipled Life, Living from the Unknown. Already, like, you're hooked by the title, so it's going to be a fantastic episode. But first, I need you to do something for me. Follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That is the address. You can follow me there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you go to get your podcasts, click that button that connects us so you know exactly who's coming on this show and when instantly you get that notification that ding whatever it is in the future it could be that neural link mental download i'm not sure but you will get that if you sign up follow us and tell a friend tell the people you know bring them here look at the people we have on look at the incredible topics look at the high frequency information we're bringing to people you know who needs that in your life and your circles bring them here midnight on earth com. Okay, Lisa, we're just about to get into our conversation, but of course, first I have to read the bio. Lisa had a sudden shift into peace and freedom when in 2009, during a silent retreat, she experienced nothing but one benevolent flow of being. She saw her previous identity as a mere collection of thoughts. When those thoughts returned, she questioned them using these techniques dissolving the ideas of a vulnerable separate self and returning to a stable experience of the one benevolent flow. Some have asked about her life experiences. As a child, she focused on spiritual growth as a paramount interest. She excelled in school and earned a BA in mathematics and English, then an MS in chemical engineering and worked for a few Fortune 100 companies. She then earned an MBA and transitioned to product management. She continued graduate studies in divinity and then in psychology. After 12 years, she left the corporate world to study and then teach relationships. She was influenced by teachers like Adyashanti, Byron Katie, A.H. Almas, Leonard Jacobson, Isaac Shapiro, and Ganjaji. Life has carried her through the U.S., Mexico, South America, and Europe, as well as Turkey, Israel, and Russia. <laughs> Finally, she studied diagnostic medical ultrasound, which enabled her and her husband to settle in a small, beautiful, I should add, coastal town in the hiking paradise of Northern California and by the grace of the divine. She's here with us today. Hello, Lisa. Hello, Jake. It's so great to be here. Thank you so much for being on the show. I loved your book. It's very personal. And there's so many different things that it can help people understand. 
in relation to how we engage with reality itself, literally our life. So tell me though, what were the beginnings? Like I know you mentioned in your book, it was around age 34 where a close friend told you enlightenment was real. And then at 38, you went to a retreat to really expand on that. Is that really the genesis of all of this? Well, certainly I've had since I was young, this knowing that I'm not my body. You know, I saw a picture of Jesus with the children and I suddenly knew where that was. I remembered being somewhere before here. And I went and asked my mom, how do you go there? And she said, blah, 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 about church. And, and I thought, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Wow. And that, that was the real Genesis, which you also detail in your book. So you had almost like a past life regression experience or it triggered some memory that was in relation to what that picture kind of displayed. Right, exactly. And so there's been these moments when things kind of opened. And so I've known when that opening feeling happens that there I am in truth. And it's it's been a guide. And when that friend said enlightenment, I had no idea what he meant. Fortunately, he never said anything about bliss. So I never got expecting that. But I just knew when he said that, that it was this intimate, ongoing experience with Source, and it just drew me. Wow. Okay. So this helped you grow, and now we're talking about your book, An Unprincipled Life. What is an unprincipled life? So after realizing that all these thoughts I had that I thought were Lisa are not Lisa, you know, that there's this powerful current of life pulling us through. When those thoughts came back, I was confused. Like, so why would I have these thoughts? But I knew everything comes from this source. There's nothing not interesting. So I knew even these thoughts were that. So I've gone, continued to experience Whenever I think something in my experience or something in the world is not it, then I know that that's not true. So I see other people who come into openings and then they think their life should be peaceful and it's not. And they think they've slipped back or whatever it is. But that's not true. (laughs) Right. So the source of the book is to explain how everything is what is and it's our ideas that are actually obscuring us our expectations of peace or whatever it is that's the problem that's making us feel distant it's a lot of our social constructs our human constructs but when you talk about that current of life that's bigger than like you said the lisa you understood that you're part of that bigger being does that current of life in your opinion have agents of delivery for that information, like extraterrestrials or angelic beings? What do you think about that? Or is it really just truly self? You know, obviously it seems to love expressing itself in all kinds of ways, (laughs) everything, right? And yes, yes, I've had experiences with um, other dimensional beings. I've had experiences remembering past lives. I've had there's all kinds of ways that this wonderful 
force of life can communicate with us. (laughs) What we are. Well, it is. And it's always progressively moving forward. There's never a retraction. Life is for expansion and fuller expression. So if it's expressing itself through us and through these other entities and however it shows up, there's always a movement forward, a progression upward, whether it's a spiral or not, it's always spiraling upward towards love. Would you agree with that? Well, yes, and that that's how we experience it because we experience it as this upward flow. It's already complete. So, and it's timeless. It has all the experiences in itself. So I don't know if it experiences it as upward, but we certainly experience it as upward. Especially in our temporal kind of individual, this lifetime 3D bodies, like we, because it's related to our own progression. And of course that reflects itself back into the greater human experience, which we all feel that propelling upward. So we have this essence. And I think that's something that you talk about a lot in this book and really trying to help people understand this is that the you, the true human, no matter how we show up in this physical body and our names and our family lines and all of that, the true you, the true human is the light being the essence, the, that which comes from source, whatever that is. Right. The, Everything else is just an experience. The thing that continues on and on and on, that is that is our true essence. That is infinite being. And our opinions, our preferences, our emotions, our bodies, our sensations are only experiences. Right. They're literally sensory temporal experiences and while they do help us learn as an individual and grow in our soul's journey, it's, it's just temporary information and it's all one thing. So it's not actually going to hurt you. That's something you also talk a lot about in your book is how we can kind of transmute our perceptions to, to get the best out of all of these challenges that we experience in life. Yes. Oh my gosh. You know, it did feel from the, earlier in my life, like a lot of things were hurting me. You know, I thought I had to set boundaries and I thought I, and of course, you know, there's a place for that and say no and that kind of thing. But in the end, I've arrived where I just feel I am life. So energies come right through. There's nothing that sticks here. You know, it's, Somebody can say whatever they're going to say. They can do whatever they want to my body. It doesn't stick. And so nothing really hurts that core essence. Right. And when you can resonate with that and you can kind of put your consciousness there, then you're living from a multi-dimensional perspective all the time. You're including the information from that level, the Lisa level, and all the other information points and putting that all together to form how you think and react and everything. Right, exactly. Oh, it's so much more freeing because most conflicts are because we're feeling life pulling us towards creativity or towards stillness. And yet something in our ego is saying, no, I should be blank. And and we think somebody else is making us feel that we should be blank, you know, but really it's our inner agreement with them that's causing this conflict. 
And when we realize now we get to follow life, life is good and benevolent. It's freedom. And it's beautiful. And really one of the things that your book highlighted so much was just a non-attached perspective, like releasing attachment from everything and understanding that as you are source and you are life, that whatever happens is actually within the flow of life. And it's a higher understanding because pain sucks and things that are challenging and hard can be troubling at times. But if you hold that higher perspective, then you always know as you push through those challenges, those illusionary challenges. Right. They're such a gift because how else would I know that I was attached to the idea that, you know, I was supposed to stay married. I was attached to that idea, but when it caused me so much pain, I let go of that idea. And so many things. Um, when I was attached to the idea that I should have a certain amount of money. And then when that goes away, oh dear, it's like, oh, what what in the world was I doing to myself? You know, it's only the pain that makes me notice, oh my gosh, I've been attached to an idea. Right. And really an important factor is the fact that as humans in this specific iteration of yourself, you're here for five minutes. I mean, technically in the universal sense, you're here for like a blip. So let go of all that and try to just enjoy yourself and do whatever you were sent here to do. If that is your type of purpose. Right. You know, it really is like a run to the grocery store. I have a memory before this life where my friend and I were sitting around talking about lives and we just got into this kind of joking repertoire and he, a repartee, he said, what was it like to be an atheist? And I teased back, oh, don't try to remember that. It's no fun. And then he teased back, what? You don't think I could have fun being an atheist? And then um, he jumped into this life to show me he could have fun being an atheist. <laughs> I mean, that's how lighthearted it is. Yeah. As a soul, we can decide, oh, I want the adventure of growing. And so we'd set up all these lives to try to grow and blah, blah, blah. But really what we are doesn't even need to grow. That's right. just an adventure we choose. Right. Because like Ram Dass's guru, Neem Karoli said, everything's perfect. It's all happening how it's supposed to. Chaos is a form of order that our brains and our consciousness can't comprehend. We see it as a mess. We see order over here and chaos over here. But chaos is a form of order that, again, it's just hard to process. And it's hard for people to grasp that because, again, terrible situations are terrible. <laughs> Going through them is emotionally hard. It's very hard. Right. And um, Nisargadatta says, nothing happens but what the whole universe conspires to have happened. So when that pain is happening, something in us, because we are the universe, something in us is wanting that moment. And you can think of a child who's throwing down, builds up a tower of blocks and then tosses it down. He's not worried about that tower. He knows he could build another one. We are so big. We are so vast. We are so timeless and eternal that every little challenge or it may feel like a devastation to our true being is simply an adventure that we feel no threat from. 
it's so beautiful. It's a higher frequency perspective and it brings harmony and coherence to yourself when you kind of are there all the time. And this is something you've practiced, I'm sure yourself, to live in that 24 seven. Right, that's exactly what I was thinking. This is not something I could have aspired to or came to conceptually, no way. And I can't, I can't tell other people to be like this. All I can say is I have had this everyday practice of questioning everything that looked like a challenge and using it to figure out, well, where is this showing me what I truly am and where is it showing me what I'm not? And it has literally been my practice for many years where I've gotten to this point where now it is this exuberance at everything that comes up. And when there isn't the exuberance, it takes me five, 30 minutes. That's, you know, and I'm back using it, exploring it, understanding it, and then back enjoying it. Yes. And it sounds like it's a paradigm that you instilled in yourself. It's a set of habits that you created for yourself to stay in a high frequency state. And again, like you're saying, it took time. It was like going to the psychic gym, the spiritual gym. You had to practice. You had to get in shape per se to get to this point. This book outlines the beginnings of this and the techniques that you can use to achieve this. Exactly, exactly. I want people to know, here are the techniques that work for me, and I want them to be able to use them. Like, here's a really simple one. It's I call it the three wells. Yes. You start when I have a challenging situation with the well of compassion. And I just let myself marinate in deep compassion, knowing that the part of me that is feeling limited deserves to be understood and held. And after extensively being there, then I move on to wise attention. And that's where I just really question, you know, have I made some assumptions? Am I misunderstanding somebody else? Have I missed an opportunity? Am I not taking an action I need to take? You know, look and see where am I overlooking the goodness already available here? And when that wisdom arises to show me an action, then I just take it without being attached to the outcome. That's the last one, unattached action. Yes, and in a sense, it does reward you in a way that's beyond what you could have been attached to as Lisa. Exactly. Boy, to go for what I know is still living in a box. Suffering is in the box of getting what I don't want, but a certain type of comfort is living in the box of getting what I do want. I'd much prefer to be in the mystery and curiosity and discovery. That is part of the reason we're here as humans. And really one of the fundamental aspects of what you're outlining in your book is faith. It's really faith. A lot of it is just faith, the unattachment, the letting go. It's all about understanding that you are that thing that is bigger than you, whatever it is. I mean, some people have tried to explain it. I don't put labels on it. I just say the mystery, but that or source, but that thing, when we understand that, then we blossom, then we bloom. Then we have the faith. We let go of the fear. Fear is the absence of faith. And you talk about your, in your book, the power of fear. Right. I don't think it's, um, 
something we can push ourselves into. There's actually a practice of being able to cultivate that sense that everything is going to be okay. And as I cultivated that sense, then it became easier to let go. So, you know, you start with, I started with letting go on little things, but by daily having gratitude, by looking back into my past, and I really made a list of everything I thought every single thing I thought that had gone wrong in my past. And I realized by minutely going over them that everything had turned out for good. And so that sense that, oh my gosh, life is benevolent, just started to grow and grow and it made it so much easier to let go. Yes. And it's harder when you're a human being and you're younger, because as we get older, we do have that perspective to see the results of cycles and how things happen and how they end up. And you're able to kind of have that perspective to look back and go, Oh my God, you can see how that all played out and how it's all meant to be. And thank you God for giving me that experience. Exactly. Thank you boyfriend for breaking up with me. Thank you boss, <laughs> for firing me. Thank you. It's over and over. Thank you. And in your book, you also say that fear is tightening during an experience of awe. Can you talk about that? Yes. You know, awe is when we notice that this life is huge and not predictable. And, you know, you when you look up into the stars and you feel that there's an order beyond what I can grasp. And when you notice there's an order beyond what I can grasp, if you constrict, you'll feel fear. If you open you feel awe. And awe is very powerful. Actually, I had a guest who had a book called The Power of Awe, where he was able to do these micro meditations and release energy by getting into that state and seeing that awe in the moment. You see the beauty of all creation, the power, the energy, everything that it took to get to that moment. Whoa. And then whew, it's all released, all the stress, the negativity, all that energy. That's so beautiful. Yeah, there's a great meditation. You just take one one object, something that you know you're already somewhat interested in. Could be a flower or marble or um, a piece of cloth you like the texture of, and you just sit with it. And when I do that, you know, for the first two minutes, you know, I'm naturally curious, exploring it, and then I kind of get bored with it. So then is my opportunity to really sink into my senses, to get curious about the finer and finer details. And I'll start notice the little fuzz on the blanket or the cloth and how it angles this way and that. And it's like this little universe down there. And now I'm fully in my senses and in awe. Wow. <laughs> and there is everything, which is so beautiful because people forget that we're just like on this little tiny island called earth. That's like in this vastness of the universe, but yet in its vastness, we're all one. We're all connected. It's all love and the divine. So tell me about basic okayness, because this is something that you talk about in your book as well. Again, I equated it to just kind of living with absolute faith, but you explain it a little bit more. Yes. So this is not a concept. This is not something where you're trusting just because you're supposed to trust. It's actually this sense 
this inner knowing that there is an underlying goodness. And some of us come in with a lot of it and some of us come in with very little of it. Whichever way we've got, we we have the opportunity to cultivate it. And cultivating that is actually a profound spiritual practice. So going through the day at the end of the day and being very specific about gratitudes. You know, I liked when so-and-so, when my wife gave me a kiss or when my husband gave me a kiss. Um, I liked when uh, my neighbor stopped by to say hi, you know, just really careful things that we start to notice. Wow. Yeah. Life is good. Or doing nice things for people where we don't want to be appreciated. When we do that, we actually feel love flowing through us. And it reminds us how love is so natural. (laughs) It is so natural and it feels good. And I'm not saying that because you should do it to get something for yourself, but you're tapping into literally the essence of the universe itself. So when you're in resonance with that, wow, what a feeling is that enlightenment? Are we creeping towards enlightenment? What is enlightenment? Yes. Right. Well, first of all, (laughs) everybody's enlightened. You can't be more of source than you already are. Right. But there is the opportunity to actually be aware of its fullness, to sense it rather than just be it. So that that opening that we, when we actually recognize what we are, it, it tends to be called enlightenment. You know, like I said, we're all enlightened, but we can have the experience of recognizing this infinite that we are. And there's this light enlightening, you know, lightness that comes with it. When you recognize that that's enlightenment in itself, in a way, then you develop that. But if you're able to recognize that alone, you're off to a good start. Right. Yeah. So often we are, we forget and we think that we're our persona. You know, we think if our reputation goes up or down, we've gone up or down. Or if somebody agrees with whatever we want them to agree with, we want them to think we're smart or we want them to think we're funny. And if somebody attacks us, you know, you're stupid or whatever it is that we're sensitive about, you're mean, whatever it is then we think they've attached, attacked us, but they've only attacked our thoughts about ourselves. And our thoughts about ourselves are not us. <sighs> Which is a lot for people to process because our society has told us that our persona is everything. Our ego is everything. Commercialization, materialism, it tells you that the ego is the only thing that matters. And that's, at least in Western culture, how we're birthed. Like we get this inundated with this stuff, like right out of the gates. So it's like, what are some of the techniques you feel like that people can do beyond what you've already described to just break out of paradigms, break out of that programming. If they're already at the point where they, they know they've been programmed a little bit, they know some things are happening and they would love to reprogram themselves. How do they start that process? You know, Admitting what I didn't know. So, for example, when I started the ultrasound school, I I thought, you know, I'm going to graduate. It just seemed like, of course. And then I realized that by having that set destiny, I actually felt a, a diminishment in my energy. So I had to let go. And I said, you know, I don't know if I'm going to graduate. 
something inside of me is giving me the motivation. Something inside me is giving me the desire. I think I'm going to graduate, but I don't know. And that that willingness to let go of all the assumptions and living moment by moment like that really just tapped me into that there is a flow that is not in my mind. It is definitely this flow of life carrying me. Right, because that energy of worry, that anxiety is depleting. It does take away from you energetically in some way, but you let go of that. Like you were saying, you were meant to be there. You felt like you were meant to be there. So you got to go with that. That's the flow of life. And then when you let go of the attachment to the outcome, then the magic happened. Of course, you did great with that. Right, exactly. But it was so (laughs) different. When I thought I had to graduate, it felt like I was efforting. But when I no longer had the thought I had to graduate, it felt like I was being carried through school. Oh, wow. And of course, that's a formula that you can apply to every aspect of your life. That's what we're talking about here. And again, you do detail this in your incredible book. Is this a way to look back at our lives and the choices we've made and the mistakes we've made and redefine them and transmute the past? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, even when we thought we weren't being carried, we're being carried. So everything that looks like a mistake. So I was in graduate school for psychology and then I ran into some other um, seminars and workshops that I switched into. So I didn't get the degree. And when I looked back, you know, I kept thinking, ah, I should have gotten that master's. But I had to honestly look and see, was that true? And the things I ended up learning from those workshops were really vital things. I mean, when I was at that meditation retreat, I was, you know, hoping to be enlightened. And then um, on day three, I said, oh my gosh, I'm wasting this retreat, hoping for something. Let me just relax and totally surrender any expectation." And it was those workshops who had made that an instinct in me that anytime I'm getting all tense around something, it just feels so yucky because of all those exercises that I've done that the instinct is now, oh no, I have to remember, I have to just surrender. And so I totally surrendered. And the next morning is when there were no thoughts creating the little Lisa. Really, it was, you know, you you if you were somebody watching the, the square, um, a bunch of people square dancing and you could just see that they're just somehow moving in this perfect choreography. They could come up with stories. Oh, I'm going towards this person because I like this person. I'm going away from that person because I don't like this person and blah, blah, blah. But all they're really doing, they're going towards and away, towards and away. That's all I saw. I just saw that we go towards and away and we're just being moved towards and away towards and when we make up all these stories oh unless he's being mean to me i have to divorce blah 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 is happening we have to stop them no we're just going towards and away towards and away it just became very simple when there's no identity wow so do you think as humans as we're evolving right now it's 2023 and the world is wow it seems very new are we going to be integrating this? Is this the 5D consciousness that so many new age people and other spiritual people talk about? I don't have to answer that from a conceptual mind. 
because <laughs> I would not be able to. But what I can say is I keep looking inside to find out what is this thing that's moving me. And I know how it loves to love. Yes. I know how it loves to treasure and find everything precious. I know it so well in my depths, and I know that it is the core of everything. So I know that it's calling everything back to itself. I, it's, there, I just know it. I feel it. But there are these power structures on Earth, these people that are trying to maintain some sort of control, whether it's excessive money or political power or a combination of both or whatever, that is a part of our learning, you would say, or why are they a part of our reality currently? That's a great question. I had that question and I asked, I sat meditatively for um, several, I can't remember how long it was, but it was over the course of several days. And finally I was shown this vision where I was at this other planet but it kind of looked like earth and there everything is just perfectly harmonious, but nobody has any particular wisdom. So for example, I was getting ready for work and then all of a sudden I forgot about work. And then like four hours later, I remembered about work and I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm late. And I went to work. Nobody was surprised. It turned out there had been no work for me to do in the morning and there was work for me to do in the afternoon. Like, that's just how it went there. Somebody was stealing from my bag. And I went over to ask him, why are you stealing from my bag? And he said, I don't know. And then I looked, he was stealing the shoes I no longer use. So apparently he was being guided to take them to people who would use them. (laughs) But it was just pure, pure goodness, but with no wisdom. In this experience, we get to see what things look like from different vantage points. So we get to have what feels like the experience of wisdom. Ah, right. That is what so many spiritual people say and teachers throughout history is that's part of the human experience, but there is an evolution. At some point, humans will bypass all of the terrible things that are happening, the low frequency behaviors and all of that. Yes. I mean, it's our nature. It's what we grow out of. You can, when you see a little baby falling, you don't worry that the baby's not going to learn how to walk. You know, that's part of the process and it's our nature. This is part of the process. And there has been that part within human consciousness that wanted some guidance, guidance outside. You know, we want somebody to rescue us. We want somebody to show us. And yeah, that's a fine at one stage. But we're in the stage of growing out of that. So as long as we are in that stage, some kind of uh, out of balance, you could say it appears out of balance, power structures came in and they're doing their job to show us that, oh, no, no, we're done with that. It's time that we stand in our own inner knowing. And as we grow into that, they will fall off like an old scab. Yes. natural. It's literally science. I mean, you're talking about resonant frequencies and when literally matter of earth, the matter of earth itself and all of the people are at a certain frequency, that stuff can't exist anymore. And that's okay because we do need conflict for contrast, but we don't need the level of conflict that we currently have on the planet. We could have just a little bit of maybe, or even not to create that contrast. 
Right. Apparently at this moment we need it. But <laughs> we are growing out of it. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Though, like you said in your book, which I thought was so cool, spiritual growth doesn't equal sainthood. Like it's still a process. It doesn't mean you're going to be a perfect person. Like you go through this book, you adapt and integrate the techniques you're growing, but you're still making mistakes and that's okay. Right. In fact, they're not necessarily mistakes. Or even mistakes. Yes, you're right. Right. It's kind of like when you go through the forest, is the tree that's growing crooked a mistake? Or is that how it's supposed to grow in that situation? You know, it's fun to see what we look like when we don't have one parent. You know, all those kinds of things are just other ways of being that are interesting. Even, Even the things that look like they're less than, you know, somebody dying at a very young age. Well, there's nothing wrong with that unless we have the belief that you have to live long. There's nothing wrong with dying young. You know, all of these ideas we have, they're just something we're imposing on reality. Reality is wild. Go in the woods. (laughs) Yes, it's, it's beautiful and amazing and beyond comprehension, really. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's awesome. So this type of thinking though, again, does require some effort, some action. And then when you adapt it, do you feel like there is a responsibility to then somehow go out in the world in some role and, and kind of amplify that in some way? You know, I have just found that all I have to do is pay close attention to inner nature. And if I don't, life will give me pain and then I'll be called back to pay attention. (laughs) I pay attention. It just turns out I love sharing what I am. And I love listening to other people in a way that helps them complete any difficulties that they're having. I just love doing that. So, you know, is it a responsibility? I don't, I don't know. It just feels like what else is there to do? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, like you said in your book, uh, the unprincipled life is where concepts take a backseat and direct experience takes a front seat. Right. Like, you know, you can't tell anybody what an orange tastes like. But the moment they bite an orange (laughs) and juice squirts in their mouth and drips down their chin, now they know what an orange tastes like. Who cares if they can say the right words? And that's the same thing. When we know what we are from experience, then it begins this process of life just looks different. And so that's all my book is. It's just helping people find how do you get that experience because I don't care about the concepts. I just want people to be able to stay in the experience. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so that experience, that changes your frequency permanently because you cross a threshold of contemplation and studying and wondering and all of that into truly knowing. And that's a permanent frequency shift. Like your dial is now tuned to... 777, I don't know what the frequency is. <laughs> right. And we, you know, if if we're looking for some, I don't know, bliss or blah, blah, whatever it is, that is denying what is here. And the source is in everything. Yes. So that means 
we already have the experience and we all we have to do is grow whatever we've already had. You know, it doesn't require trying to reach for something we don't have. We just, whatever we pay attention to grows. So if all we know is that this breath just seems to come without my effort, great. I can just sit and notice oh, there's no effort there and just relax. Or I feel the aliveness in my body. I feel how there's just this knowingness. I know where my toe is without looking at it. And that was my meditation for the longest time, just enjoying that simple awareness, this aliveness in my body. And resting is that, which feels so great. And then I just, it just expanded and expanded. But whatever we do know, we just grow what we already know. Right. And then the, again, that leads to the direct experience, which then starts another growth process. Right. I mean, that is a direct experience and it just gets deeper and deeper until we start to recognize that that this alive essence is more real than our personality and our body. Yes. Because it's there before we even look for it. It's already there. It is how we came into this world before we were programmed at all. We were that raw. Some people say Christ consciousness, Buddha nature, Krishna consciousness. We were that rawness, that raw source. And then we were pummeled with the expectations, the assumptions, the paradigms and the various things. But that original form has infinite power, and it is our true identity. Right. Would you say that as a practice, we should try to learn how to shift our you-ness on the daily, like every day, from our ego, our persona, to that consciousness? Like, be that all the time. That is so helpful. I mean, I'm, I'm not giving anybody a should, but that is so helpful to really take several times throughout the day to just check in. Um, in my first book, I have a list of seven um, seven principles that help you check into that. But the other thing is life is constantly showing us when we're forgetting that. So it's, it's a living workshop all the time. Like I was leaving the apartment. My boyfriend asked me to stop and help him. And of course I said, yes. But that meant I might run late where I was going. So I said yes. And as I was then leaving later, I thought, oh, shoot, am I going to run late? And I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. Universe just had me choose to stay in health. Universe just decided that that was more important. So where in me can I find that preference, because that preference is the part of me that is most synced in with the universe. So I stopped and looked and stopped and looked. And then I saw, yeah, it's in those moments of loving each other, being willing to be late to help each other, that the sweetness of life is. And the universe prioritizes that loving sweetness. And then suddenly I was like, oh, right. So this <laughs> is a moment of the universe showing me what it does. It prioritizes sweetness over my you know, time management. Right. And it will, in some cases, mold reality around what you're doing. All of a sudden, the work wasn't needed to be done or some other correlating situation where it's like, 
wow, you, you can see that beauty, literally time and space, matter, reality warps around your decision. That's how immense to me the divine is. That It's that personal for each of us, all 10 billion of us, I think. It is amazing. <laughs> this is this natural harmony. Yes. And we can rest in its innate harmony. That's another great practice. You know, when I'm, uh, in fact, I have a, a group. People can join it if they want. I, we gather three times a week and we just sit for an hour and we feel this infinite being and sense into it. And then in order to really savor its deliciousness, we force ourselves to identify a characteristic of it. And we say that characteristic and we each go around in turn doing that over and over and over for the whole hour. So we might say uh -huh. open or love. And by doing that, we really get, it's not like this abstract thing. We're really deepening down into this infinite being that we are. And it's, it's an amazing hour. Wow. Yeah. No, it sounds incredible because you're like honing in your, the coordinates in a way, using those thought forms, those words to kind of create a field of energy. Exactly. exactly. Wow. That's super cool. Well, we'll talk about that at the end. We'll tell people how to find that group. So you talked about the story of, helping your husband. Another story that I thought was cool was the story you talked about in your book where your friend was missing car payments and you could have been upset about it. He bought a car from you, could have been upset about it. He was missing the payments, but you let it go understanding that he did the best that he could. And then as you outlined in your book, there were other random situations that spontaneously generated money for you. So to me, that, that, that's like the law of divine compensation that so many people talk about when they talk about universal laws. It's like the energy that you put out will come back if you were meant to get paid, but by love, like you were saying before, the universe molds around love, but by making that loving choice and letting go of that, the universe responded by still paying you. Isn't it amazing? Yes. We are so cared for. So cared for. And what do you think about universal laws? Because that's one of them. There seems to be, without putting concepts around it, I know you don't like concepts, but there seems to be these universal laws that we can all tap into and, and notice and try to work within in order to do these beautiful, loving works on this planet. It does seem that it works that way. Um, uh, you're right, though. I, I tend to stay more in the mystery. <laughs> it is really interesting. So um, people might call it manifestation, but to me, it just more feels like, so I'll, I'll be thinking something and all of a sudden I'll get a desire for something. And I'll, I'm surprised often. Oh, wow. Look at that. Suddenly there's a desire for that. And now I take it as the universe giving me a billboard, such and such is ahead because it just gave me a desire for something and then it ends up happening. So wow. I feel like my desires are the billboards telling me what's about to happen. That's super interesting. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that before. There is that future kind of understanding 
they say our hearts, our heart center can see the future because it's processing information before it happens. Truly in a quantum sense, it's all one thing. There is no time. And of course, when you get into the divine realms, that's a whole other experience. Maybe they're all the same, but it does seem like that we have this ability to tap into source, to bring that into ourselves and then expand how we utilize our service. The good that we do, you're saying it would come naturally in that state. And I'd have to agree. Right. Yeah. Because what we are is love. What we are is abundant. What we are is synchronicity. So as we relax into it, it's just what happens. Right. Stop trying to define it so much, understand it, recognize it and surrender to it. Right. Right. There doesn't have to be, I mean, I guess it might feel like effort when you're being really diligent about when I'm being really diligent about looking at my life, you know, it might feel like work, but for me, it just feels like I just want truth, you know? Yes. No, absolutely. (laughs) Separation is never necessary if I just notice the truth. Right. And some people actually, strangely, are a little bit intimidated by the divine experience. I like to tell people that the divine experience is fun and funny. Like that's, that's the divinity I integrate and that flow, that universal flow. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be overwhelming or so intense that you can't comprehend it. Just be it. Right. I mean, if, if somebody's imagining that it's going to be some fearful, terrible thing, that's a projection. It's what we are. Right. I mean, are you afraid of your most intimate, deep self? I mean, it's well, what we are. It, I think a lot of it too has to do with fear of death. Like some, a lot of people have an innate fear of death and we weren't, at least in, again, in Western culture, given the paradigm of reincarnation. So a lot of us have that fear because we think that's it. Like your atheist friend, but really it seems like that's where that fear comes from. Like we, we want to grow, we want to expand, but letting go means we could die. Right. Well, I mean, certainly early on, I was afraid, I wasn't afraid of death, but I was afraid of letting go. I mean, I fought not getting divorced so hard because to me, it felt like a total letting go and failure. And what would life be? Cause you know, I was living in a very religious situation there. Um, but finally I let go and it was amazing. The moment I said, I can't, I fail. Love flowed through me for myself and the whole world. It was just, and I thought, oh my gosh, I've been doing this all backwards. (laughs) So all we have to do, and at least for me is just do whatever surrenders I can do and then notice how they turn out. And then do another little surrender and notice how it turns out. Just like parents learn how to let go of their children in baby steps sometimes. But, you know, it's it's okay. Baby steps are great. Just surrender little by little by little and see what happens. Right. Because, again, that gets you back to the flow. Not surrendering is resistance to the flow at the end of the day. Exactly. And, you know, my vision is that we're twigs on this amazing current of a river. (laughs) This twig is going to go down the river. 
all we can do is we can make the twig go straight or we can make the twig go crooked. That's about the amount of control we have. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with, again, lack of faith, people thinking that they're not going to be taken care of by the universe. Like if they let go of certain things, if they take a job leap or a relationship leap, if they, if they let go, they're not going to be taken care of by the universe. But right. all of the spiritual texts, everything that you read across this planet says that when you let go, the universe then responds by giving you everything you need. Yes. So I, finances was probably the place where I had the most fear. And so I started with making, having this job that I didn't really like, but gave me more money than I needed. And then I realized I'm doing all this work to get money I don't even need. So I left that job, but it was scary because I actually didn't go directly to another job. I just went to live with my boyfriend, but I had a bunch of savings. Then I depleted those savings. I had a good degree. So I got another job. And then, um, and then I had somebody who was retired and we got into relationship together. So I lived with him and, and then he broke up with me and now I've been out of the workforce so long, it was going to be very hard to get back in. And he said, he loved me so much. He wanted to support me till I found something I really loved. Oh, that's beautiful. Amazing. Now, during that time, he was dating other women. So I'm getting a check from him each month thinking, is he going to find somebody who says, quit giving for money? <laughs> it was a month by month, trust, trust, trust. But it was amazing. It was so abundant. And I had so much spiritual growth during that period because I really used that time. <laughs> I really used that time. So then... Um, then the universe showed me medical ultrasound. I went into me- medical ultrasound. That friend died and I inherited money from him. So that's great. Now we've just found this uh, new, um, uh, I would say consciousness raising technology actually, but anyways, this great thing. And it to me feels like something I want to use to help the planet. And it, undoes some of the stuff that's been done in the medical industry where I have worked. So this money that I've received, I want to put towards that. So a lot of that's my retirement. I'm 53. Wow. And, but now at this point, I kind of made this a long story. No, no, I love long stories. (laughs) At this point, I have over all these situations noticed that each time I've been amazingly taken care of. Yes. And I'm willing to put my money into this, even if it takes off very slowly. I have no idea what pace it's going to take off. It doesn't matter. It I just feel my heart. There's at this point, I just know when my heart says yes in this strong of a fashion, go. <laughs> go for it. And I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know? there's there's nothing bad exactly that's a key point what's the worst thing that can happen you're not gonna die the universe is dying it's a good thing in my mind just because of that situation if you lost everything you lost your house your clothes your money it can all come back it's all infinite it's all abundance you're gonna be taken care of that's what i'm talking about that's that strange fear that people need to push past to to accelerate their spiritual growth i i believe I would prefer to live as 
all out for what is possible. And okay, if it didn't work out, which all the evidence in my life says that it will, but if it didn't, it's just another adventure. Me and my husband together having an adventure. Okay. We live in a tent or we live in a camper or whatever it is, you know, and we have an adventure, you know, it's it's actually there's no problem right <laughs> no right. problem and no attachment because it's all again that forward progression of the universe it's the wholeness it's the wholeness that we're talking about what do you think is the most powerful practice that someone can do to get in touch with that wholeness the most powerful practice that's great well my experience is that it actually changes over time okay you know we what what is right for us at one moment will be then different later. Interesting. So I think you I had to find what was working for me. Um by far for me has been two things. One is making sure I'm spending time resting in the infinite. And the other thing is noticing every argument that I have with reality and using it to dismantle the house of cards. Basically, what separates me is nothing. It is what I am. But I imagine this house of cards and the universe shows me, oh, look at that. You're in pain because you were just believing in your house of cards. Now that's the card to take out. And next time I'm I'm in pain, take out another card. You know, all those beliefs are just, just cards to be taken out. So as we develop as humans, as we grow, as we evolve, do you think this type of thinking will be common? Like this will be the human experience, knowing that we're in the flow. We're all going to be in the flow with the universe, with source in that way. Well, again, I don't answer these questions conceptually. I go from my inner experience of what I am. Yes. And I felt what I am loving, expressing itself in a way that recognizes itself. So I know it's doing that throughout humanity. And I also know that there were definite periods where once I started to love myself more, a lot of the pain and the resentments and the sadness all came up to be loved. You know, they weren't safe to come up before when I had to show up as my happy, loving persona. But once I actually opened to what I am and to be in love, all these ugly parts, you know, ugly parts came up and they wanted to be understood. So I feel that that's what's happening in humanity because it's Mm. what happened to me. So you know, like I said, I don't theorize. I just notice what is the process of me. And I see that same process happening around me. Yes, I do too. I notice it as well. And it seems like some form of forgiveness. Like we're forgiving ourselves as the one human entity, whatever that is. We're looking at ourselves and we're letting go. We're forgiving ourselves because we know that that's holding us back, the greater human consciousness. We know that that lack of forgiveness, that attachment to what could have, should have, would have been is holding us back. And we will grow when we let go of that. I think we know that as a species. Yes, we are calling all our parts home to having compassion for them. And it's, we're one consciousness. The moment that I'm no longer afraid and clutching and grabbing things, the moment that I'm able to be with my vulnerability instead of attacking, 
as I do that, it starts to seep into more and more of the rest of human consciousness. Absolutely. I mean, that is the consciousness awakening that it seems to be happening right now. You know, some astrologists might say the age of Aquarius, again, the new age community will say we're moving into 5D consciousness, these, all these various concepts, but really we're just awakening, being aware of the love that we already were, the complete love, the completeness that we already were, the wholeness. Right. What we already have been, what we are, what we can't be other than Exactly. <laughs> what a fantastic conversation we've had. There's so many things we talk about. Your book is so good. There's just a couple more things I want to touch on before we go here. So tell people this distinction, help people understand this distinction. Life is not health because some people will think that health is life. I want you to help people understand that. Yes. Oh, yes. You know, health is an experience. It's simply a set of sensations in our body. That's it. And they don't mean anything. That's what I've experienced. That's what I know in the depths of my being. So good health doesn't mean you're a better person. Poor health doesn't mean you're a worse person. Nothing. It's an experience. And the universe wants all the experiences. I had one one vision where the universe, and this is simply, you know, um, to give a understanding, it's not oh, sure. exactly how it happens, but the universe was taking a little bunch of its own traits and putting together a little recipe and then tossing it off as a soul to have many lives saying, I wonder what this one will do. <sighs> so all it had to do was show what does that recipe do? And if that recipe makes one of its lives full of an unhealthy body, that's fine. Maybe it wanted to because it wants to become a healer and it's going to understand illness better that way. Or it wants to give somebody else the opportunity of being a caretaker and loving. So it took on an unhealthy body for that reason. There's all kinds of reasons we can choose not to have health. Or smokers, okay, there they go. There's a smoking experience. It doesn't mean anything nothing doesn't mean anything it's just an experience what we are is this current of life flowing on and on and on <laughs> uh, it's so beautiful well how does karma come into play in this situation like you become that you, you tap into your infinite self you you're resonating with that but then there's the karmic aspect as well. Do you believe in karma? Is that something that is applicable to each person? Well, <laughs> we are one infinite being, right? Right, yes. So this whole, I mean, some people use karma just because they're still trying to repeat what other religions have done. They just chose a new word, you know, right. we're being punished because we were unkind. You know, I think we've done that story enough. <laughs> 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 You're absolutely right. There is there is this inherent balance that brings it's it's like this web and it naturally is balancing. You pluck a string here and another string just shifts to keep the balance going. And we are part of that infinite delicate amazing balance. So, yes, there's a balance that causes things to come and shift and but it's a it's a wisdom way beyond our little tip for tat stuff. 
So yeah, of course there is this balancing happening, but it's done in a, there's a wisdom and a compassion and a love governing it. Nothing punitive. Right. And it's beyond, literally beyond our human labels. Those again are like you're saying, just human labels that we slapped on it to give us some sense of understanding. It does not mean it is correct. Right. Because we wanted to control. We want to say, oh, well, that bad thing that happened to them, it only happens to them because they were bad. So it won't happen uh, to me. A bad thing could happen to me because I wanted to learn something from it. Right. It never would happen to me as a punishment. It would only happen because I was interested in having that experience. I wanted to learn that vulnerability. I want to learn that compassion. I wanted to learn that I am the strength and the courage that can show up to go through it. There's an infinite number of reasons why I might want that experience. Wow, that's such a powerful place to rest your understanding because there's no value judgments. There's no right or wrong. You're just living in love and the things that happen, they're, they're not even mistakes. It's just the universe expressing itself through you to have those experiences. And if you can snap into that awareness now in this current 3D consciousness, that's going to benefit you greatly. Right. It turns out this is heaven already. Yes. I know that's hard to believe, but that is where I spend most of my time. It really feels this is heaven already because I'm so unharmable that everything is just an interesting adventure. Right. It doesn't really matter if I have another life or if I don't come back to earth. It doesn't matter because what I am is what I am is what I am. And then where you end up next is where you'll end up next. And after that, and that will also be beautiful and perfect. Right. right. <laughs> what a conversation yeah. we've had. Oh my goodness, Lisa. Incredible. This has been incredible. Look, I want to tell people where to find you. Go to this website, www.experiencingthetrueself.com. So that's www.experiencingthetrueself.com and you will find all the information about what Lisa is about, including courses that she's doing. And tell us about this group. Is this local to Fort Bragg? No, this is an online Zoom group. Oh! It happens uh, three times a week. We call it the Group Awareness Experience. Whoa! It's um, in Pacific Coast time. It's Wednesday at 4.30 p.m., Saturday at 3 o'clock p.m., and Sunday at 3 o'clock p.m. And you just tell me you want to be on the email list. I'll send you the link. And we just ask that you just, you know, do follow the instructions to the best of your ability. Wow. And it's we open to everyone around the world. Yes. Everybody around the world. You could have a thousand people in that Zoom group if you wanted to. <laughs> I guess my Zoom account isn't quite that big, but um, I do pay for Zoom accounts, so it's not tiny. But we have, we can break out into breakout rooms if it gets too big, which we have. Fantastic, done. fantastic! You, I have a feeling you're going to be seeing me in one of those groups here very, very soon. And she has two books today. We're talking about an unprincipled life, living from the unknown, but she also has living awake. 20 techniques to end. I got it. I lost it. So check that book out as well. Again, Lisa, thank you so much for being here. What an incredible episode. Is there anything else that you would like to leave our audience with before we go? 
You know, I I just want to remind people that we when we think about the infinite, so often we say, well, it's not my emotions, it's not my thoughts, and we project this sterile idea out there. But it's the same thing that causes a newborn baby to happen. It's the same thing that causes a flower to happen. It's the same thing that causes all our creativity to happen. So I think it's easier to feel it by feeling the deepest part inside of us, you know, the most expansive, the most generous, the most alive part of us. And that is a much more intimate way of knowing it than this abstract concepts. And that's just what I want to offer. It's already there within everybody. And you don't have to externalize some idea about it. Yes, that's so beautiful. Wow. Thank you again, Lisa, for leaving us with that. Again, people, check out the website, experiencingthetrueself.com, the books, the Zoom group. She has a lot going on. I highly recommend this book. Go get it. Amazon, wherever books are sold, it is there. Thank you, Jake, very much. <laughs> Please hold through the outro music, and everyone will see you next week, Midnight on Earth.